0: our country. Amen. There is such a thing as culture shock. Folks go up north from the south and they say, oh, they're all mean. (laughs) Folks come from the north and go south, they say they're all kind. And then you find out reality. There's a certain meaning behind that little southern thing. Well, bless your heart. (laughs) No, thank you. I'm doing just fine. <laughs> the way it's stated, Amen. Woo. So I told the uh, folks down at Ocean Springs when I first got there, I said, "I'm not always going to appear real friendly, but if I talk to you, then you know we form a relationship. It's for life. I'm not going to say, "Oh, bless your heart." And then uh, a week later, <laughs> it's a whole different story. so I understand, you know, then we went to the Philippines, and I, I encourage, I tell our church, man, if it's family vacation time, please don't give Disney Corporation your money. Yeah. Oh, Lord, help. Go to the mission field. Amen. 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 Take a trip to a third world country Amen. and just see what it's like. Amen. 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 Our young people need to know that it's exciting to serve the Lord. Our young people need to know that surrendering to missions is not a a doom and gloom prison life sentence. Well, if I totally surrender, God might call me to Africa or, you know, some island country in the middle of nowhere. No, you got to say it this way. If I surrender, God might call me to one of those places. That's the way you got to look at it. I'm telling you, Uh, we... You know, people talk about having fun in America. You need to try to live in a thorough world country. We have had fun. Amen. Excitement, thrill. Oh, yeah. Amen. We started our island of Negros Island that we were on for seven years before we transferred up to Manila and really expanded in the prison work up there. Uh, we had an active volcano on our island. Thankfully, it pointed south, and we were on the north side of the island. And uh, so, we'd see the ash come up, and you, you know, we'd think, "Well, the folks in Dumaguete are going to get a little shower down there." And so, uh, but then a pastor called me, and he said, "Hey, uh, I want to start a prison work up here in Dumaguete, in uh, Kenleyon City. And so, can you come up?" Well, okay. So at the time, I had uh, I had uh, um, graduated from a little. I bought the biggest motorcycle they had in Bacolod City. It was a Yamaha 125. <laughs> that was a beast now. It stood right up there. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It was a 200. Yeah, Ricky had the, yeah, but rather uh, Ricky Yamion had the 125. Mine was a 200. That was a big deal. And so, uh, but it was kind of hard to tote the family around Bacolid uh, with a Yamaha 200. And so um, I, I, I tried it a couple times, uh, Becky was on the gas tank in front of me. Ellie was still in Mama, but in between us, and Mom was hanging on the back, and we're driving through Bacolod City. And uh, it's the funniest thing in the world, these Filipinos going. <laughs> oh, mercy. So anyway, uh, I got this uh, little Mazda 323, and uh, just a tremendous vehicle. But uh, driving up to the mountain... We had to unload the car, get out, lift it up over the rocks. We floated across the stream where the bridge was out, and uh, we finally made it up to the top, and everything was good, and the, guy, the pastor said, oh, you can spend the night here. And I'm looking around, and I'm saying, well, uh, you know, it's only about 7 o'clock. It's an hour and a half ride. I'm just going to drive back home. Okay. So I had one of the national pastors with me. And uh, we started down out of the mountain, and in, on Negros Island, up in the mountains, we had the NPA, the New People's Army. So that was the military arm of the Communist Party of the Philippines. And so I start down the road, and you come down out of the mountain, there's only one road. And there's one left turn at one spot in that road where you turn to go back down towards Bacolod City at the base of the mountain. And so I'm driving along. Everything's going along great. You know, I understand the roads where I got to go to and all that. And all of a sudden, this guy steps out behind the trees and lowers his rifle at me. And uh, I focused on him and missed my turn. So you know what that means? I got to turn around and see this guy again. Only problem is, it's a little narrow road, and so I'm going down and I keep going. I finally find a place to turn around in. And the Filipino guy with me, Brother Gamboa, he is just the brown man turned white. That's all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he said pastor we got to pray I said listen I was praying as soon as I saw the guy step out I don't know where you been what you've been doing but I've been praying amen and so uh we turned around and he said uh I no plan no more what's your plan and I said uh, listen I'm gonna hit it and we're gonna fly now see my my brothers and I we used to Well, this is confession. I don't know if my mom might see this video. (laughs) She's still living uh, and attending my church, and I can still get in trouble, I found out. Amen. And so I want to be careful. (laughs) No, even when you get married, moms are still moms. And so um, anyway, uh, when we were young growing up, we'd wait for mom and dad to go out on a pastoral visit. Then we'd take the car and drive out to the field and cut donuts and mess around and everything. And Dad would always wonder, you know, how on earth did the gas go so quick? <laughs> so anyway, we learned how to, you know, slam the on the emergency brake, cut the thing around, you know, do all these things. So I'm thinking, this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna drive as fast as I can, yank this emergency brake, cut, cut, go, hit it, and I'm not stopping. And so sure enough, I came back around, put the high beams on, and now there's two guys standing out there with their guns leveled right at our car. Kidnap for ransom is a big deal over there, and you got a white person, you are set for life. And I'm praying. So let me just say, there is a bigger adrenaline rush right there than any roller coaster I've ever been on in my life. <laughs> and I love every ride there is I've been on. If it's scary, I'm in. But my heart was pumping faster. <laughs> Adrenaline, you name it. I mean, I was like, "Woo!" locked in. Thank God he kept us safe. No problem. I wasn't about to stop and talk to him. I'm going to leave that witnessing adventure for the pastor up there, and I'm heading on down out of there. I don't know that guy. I'm sure I don't speak his dialect, and he don't speak mine, and so we're going. Amen. So that's not the only excitement there is out there. There's wonderful there's wonderful foods to experience in other countries. Amen? After church, just Google B-A-L-U-T, balut. Does anybody know what that is? Masarap talaga? na nako, nakami. I know. We've eaten many times that wonderful delicacy called balut. Yes. So uh, you'll get to experience all that stuff. I took our teens, 14 of them, over to the Philippines, preached a missions conference in Mindanao, and the pastor and I already had the plan. We bought balut for all the teens, every one of them. If you want to get a ride home, you got to eat the balut. Kidnap for ransom, amen? You're white people and you're in trouble. Anyway, so they all got to sample some wonderful balut, Amen. Uh, what I'm saying is this, you know, the family sang the song, it, it, is, it is worth it to serve the Lord. And there is a reward one day, but even now serving the Lord, th- it, there's joy and there's thrill and there's excitement. Even though it's not always this big to-do of, of, of amusement and entertainment, uh, there are many, many different ways in life to be thrilled and excited and to have a great time. And so I challenge you, take a missions trip. If you know you're a, you're a missions-minded church, missions-hearted church, you support missionaries. Uh, we had mission trips, people coming over all the time. Uh, we were in when the last two, year, two and a half, three years, we were in Metro Manila area. If I found out a a group was coming in, I volunteered. I'll go pick you up at the airport and and house you in my home. I wanted to encourage it and uh, help, you know, cut the bill. Don't pay for a hotel. Stay in our home. And, uh, you know, we just had a great time. So uh, try a missions trip. Amen? Amen. Amen. It is a life-lasting memory. You can go to the amusement park, and you're going to forget in a couple of months what it was all about. But a missions trip you'll never forget. Amen. Daniel chapter three. Daniel chapter three. Try to get all of this introduction in. We started in in Psalms on Wednesday evening and I looked at just the first couple of verses there and uh, talked about the abundance of faith. And uh, this evening, I want to take the uh, story of the event that took place with the three Hebrew lads in Daniel chapter 3. And I mentioned Wednesday night that I kind of looked at uh, Psalms and and outlined that chapter in my mind. uh, And I know 2713 is kind of the key verse and the thought and the theme for the year, and and you've heard preaching about it. But uh, in going through that Psalm, I looked and and thought of the abundance of faith seen in verses 1 through 3, And then in verses 4 and in verse 8, the aspiration towards God. In verses 5 and 6, and again in verse 10, the assurance of protection that was shown. And then verses 9, 11, and 12, we saw the psalmist with his appeal for help. And then in verse 13 and 14, the acceptance of waiting. And uh, that thought has been kind of stirring when I first heard the theme uh, for the meeting, I, I was thinking about when Moses and the Israelites were there at the Red Sea in Exodus, and, and Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And, and I began to, to, to work some thoughts out there. But um, in, in picturing the, the situation there, God was about to do a great and mighty work. You read through the Old Testament, and when God really points uh, to his people about in a display of his tremendous power, he will reference the Red Sea until you get into the New Testament. It's mentioned some, but in the New Testament, uh, the New Testament writers would mention the power of, of the, the, the cross and the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. And so uh, the Old Testament, that was a big event, the Passover and then the Red Sea. And that is locked in the minds and the hearts of the Jews, the Israelites. And, and can you picture they're there at the Red Sea? They're, they're, they've escaped from 400 years of captivity And they've got the Red Sea in front of them and and the hills on one side, the mountains on the other, and the Egyptian army coming up from behind and they're locked in. They're stuck. Can I tell you, sometimes in our lives, God will do exactly that. He will shut us up to faith. When there's nowhere else that we can humanly look and see any type of relief or help, or escape, or way out. We're locked into that situation, and in the midst, our own heart needs to be able to say, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Thank God for that, and that we can. In order for that to happen, there's a, a, a position to assume, stand still. I've got like three outlines tonight, and I'm trying to mesh them all together, amen? So please bear with me. We'll call it introduction until we get to the last point, and then it'll all be okay. (laughs) A position to a... You know what's one of our problems in, in the world today is we're so busy, it's hard to hear from God. There's so much to do, so many directions, so many things. Sometimes we need to learn how to be still. Remember, it's the still, small voice. There's a perception to acquire there in Exodus 14. He didn't just tell, tell them to stand still. Then he said, and see. Yes. Can I tell you, perception is a very, very important thing. Amen. We kind of joke about it sometimes. Perception is important, Amen. It's not just seeing something, but it's what you see in it, around it, from it, what you can learn, what, what, uh, what you can acquire from the things that your eyes have taken in and all of that. And so it's important that we see that. And, and, and that's where I want to spend our time this evening. And the thought that I want to preach about is some things seen in the fire. And, ex, and excuse me, Daniel chapter three, if you'll turn there, I want to re, uh, read beginning in verse 19. Now, you know, the story The image was made, the plains of Dura, the instruction was given. Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to play the music or command it to be played. And whenever it plays, everybody is to bow down. And so these three Hebrew lads decided that they were not going to, for any reason, worship any other God but Jehovah God. And by faith, they obeyed. And can I tell you, they thought their lives were going to end. Now, thankfully, we're not there in America, but I'm telling you right now, I've stopped and watched as events have unfolded in 2020, and I have seen uh, out of nowhere governors of states being able to step out and say, you're not allowed to have church. We're going to find you every time you meet. We're going to find you every time you sing in the United States of America. Are you kidding me? Now, you thank God for your governor, and I agree, you've got a great governor. I thank God for Governor Reeves. He got inaugurated in November, and boom, COVID hit. You know what he did? He had a Bible open on his desk, and he had prayer time every day before he went onto his camera. He stood up and said, we go to First Baptist Church. I'm asking churches to close down, but I'm not telling you to. I cannot shut down churches. Now, I'm shouting a glory, and then I'm hearing about Jack Treber. Listen, they're in America, too, even though it's the People's Republic of California, Amen. <laughs> There's some stuff going on out there, the left coast and all that. But, uh, but listen, it's one election away from that being in any other state in the country. Governor Cuomo of New York telling the synagogue, the Jews, if you go to church, when I tell you to shut down, we're taking your buildings. That's in the United States of America. That's in New York City where great revivals took place at one time. Listen, we're just a short time away. We have to walk with God. We have to be prepared. And these three Hebrew lads, they knew that by standing and not bowing, there was a price to pay. I don't know what price God may have you and I pay. We have to ask ourselves, are we ready? Genesis, uh, excuse me, I keep saying different books. It is Daniel chapter 3, verse 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Whew. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the most high God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire and the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together, saw these men upon whose body the fire had no power, nor was any hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which spake anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Father, thank you for your word, Lord. I pray that you'll use it, challenge us, Father, tonight, I pray, to see, Lord, things even though we may go, be going through a trial or a valley, a difficult time in our own lives personally. Lord, though things around us may not be going as we had once thought or planned or wished, Father, I pray that you'll help us to stop for a moment and see with eyes of faith, believe that you are the God of the impossible. Help us, Lord, I pray. Speak to our hearts this evening, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me jump right in this evening. These three Hebrew lads were cast into this fire. We just heard the story. They were bound tight. The furnace was heated, hotter. They were thrown in. The guys that threw them in were so affected by the the extra heat from being heated seven times hotter that they died throwing them in the fire. (laughs) Then when they hit the ground, they rolled, shook off the dust, and stood up and started walking around, and there's not three but four. How many of you would have loved to have been there that day? Yes. Man, I read these Bible stories and my imagination starts running. You see, I would not have just been looking in the furnace. I want to look around. I like watching people. I'm a, I study, you know, I just kind of try to learn. Can you imagine the mouths hanging open? Now, there was no tweeting and Instagram, you know, texting and all that kind of stuff. But can you imagine that in 2020? Live stream this thing, Facebook Live, IGTV, whatever it's called. You know, everything you can possibly think of. Wow, can you imagine this? The excitement, the thrill. What about the three Hebrew lads? you notice how many times their names were mentioned in the passage? We just heard the family sing, he knows your name. <laughs> I don't know if that sinks into you yet. I don't know what you've been through or what you've gone through, but there has been times I don't know if God knows where I'm at. I know that he does in my head, but the feelings that we're going through, the things that are going on in our lives, the stuff that's exploding around us, does he really know? Does God understand? What's he trying to do? It just seems like you look in all the different directions and it doesn't see, see or, or, or feel like there's an answer or an explanation or a reason. I kept running back in my mind as I read the passage, and time and time again Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach. God knew they got tied up. God knew that they stood up and didn't bow. God knew that the furnace was heated. God knew that Nebuchadnezzar was mad at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God knew that those mighty men picked up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God knew that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were bound in their clothes and thrown into the fire. And God knew that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were going to be spared. And God knew That Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would be walking in the fire with the Son of God, and God knew that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would come walking out at the other side. God knows your name, God knows my name, right where we are, right what's going on, the situation, the circumstance. He has not forgotten us. Hallelujah for that. Listen, sometimes things blow up at church, and I know here at uh, Liberty, everything's perfect and nothing ever goes wrong. You've got the greatest pastor in America and the greatest church family and musicians and all that, and I'm so thankful for you. Amen? Amen. But holy grace, we've got flesh. Amen. And we run in prison ministry and in uh, rehab ministry at Homes of Grace, and we have an RU ministry for uh, folks battling different addictions. And sometimes I look up and people walk in. You're like, "Good morning." I'm glad you're here, and I, I can see you need to be here. Amen. <laughs> I got to be careful. You know, you ever, you ever in a conversation with somebody and you look at the expression on your face and you have to stop and ask yourself, did I just think that or did I say it out loud? (laughs) Amen. Be careful sometimes. (laughs) Listen, there's hurting people in the world. Sometimes they find their way into the church. Thank God for it. And when you got new baby Christians and they've come from a life of, of, only they know what, and sometimes they can't remember what themselves, amen? And when you got that kind of a influence coming into the church, and I believe that we should, uh, you just have no idea the things that can pop. Brother Brooks mentioned, Pastor Brooks mentioned the other night, the, the burning, the, the bonfire that we had. The backstory on that is, is Dr. McNair started preaching revival. We weren't planning to burn. He mentioned in the Wednesday night sermon or Tuesday night sermon, uh, that When he was a kid, at a revival, they had a burning. He was kind of using illustration, talking about it. So Wednesday afternoon, I came in the altar, to the, the auditorium. I was going to get in the altar and spend time praying for the service. And I looked, and there's all these trash bags on the pulpit. So I walked over thinking, there wasn't that much trash to pick up in here, I'm sure. What's going on? Open the bag. Ooh, close that bag quick. Uh, we got to tie this thing off and make, make sure nobody opens these things. So, I mean, the stuff just started flowing in. We burned three nights that week. We burned a set of divorce papers on the bonfire. (laughs) A couple stayed together. We burned 6,000, I think it was, or no, 600. This guy got saved through our bus route. His kids started riding the bus. We kept going to his house, going to his house. He got saved. He was a rock promoter. It was just thousands of dollars worth of rock CDs and all the, the, the stuff. He used to go to the, the Coliseum and set up these hundred uh, speaker sets and all this stuff to put rock concerts on at the Coliseum and all that. And uh, he was just one of these promoters that would get all these groups and in bands in. And a, Anyway, uh, he's throwing all this stuff. A guy in the church, Brother Hour, he brought in. Uh, he had over 100 shot glasses. He'd been the town drunk. Uh, he had a wake-up call. One one day he woke up in a stupor, and the Ocean Springs police had a gun pointed to his forehead. <laughs> now he drives a Sunday school bus. Amen. Gives his testimony at RU and Homes of Grace and and has taught Sunday school and faithful, faithful to the church. Hallelujah. <laughs> there, was, <laughs> there was a bag of weed in the, uh, in the bonfire that night. Everybody had to move away from the fire. <laughs> Very happy folks that night at the. <laughs> Whew, I, we were just chucking stuff out of the bag. We didn't know what everything was and all of a sudden, wow. <laughs> I went to public school. I knew what it was as soon as it started burning. I'm like, "Brothers, Ed, we got to get out of here." Let's pray this, the police don't show up. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to really think we're a commune and a cult and all that kind of stuff. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, the, 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 the fire, the, the burning, the, the things that went into that, what a blessing to see how God worked and changed lives. And, and I'm telling you, it is such an exciting thing to see that, that, that heart that wants to get right, that, that desire to cleanse and to, to seek to walk with him. And, and so in our church, there's all this flesh And and listen, it just takes, sometimes you, you talk to folks, you counsel, you pray, and you see the decisions that you make, that they make, excuse me, and you just know in your heart of hearts, it's gonna hurt. I tell our church a couple of times a month, listen, you get to choose your choices. You don't get to choose your consequences. The law's got... Excuse me, the Bible has laws or commands and it has principles. Commands can be broken, principles can only be proven. So if you want to know how it's going to turn out, look at the scripture. You'll find out. Because God was kind enough to share the dirt and the dirty laundry for all from all these Bible characters and Bible heroes that we love. And so we can find out what happens when we don't do our job and we follow the path of David. So when there's flesh, we need the Lord. And sometimes you're going through the battle and and, and there's a fire popping up over here and another one popping up. Listen, in our church, I always know missions conference is coming. Guess what? Fire here, fire there. It never fails. Pastor, our refrigerator's not working right. Pray about this. The washing machine just quit. What's going on? Satan wants all the focus off of the fields of the world and the need and the missions conference and get all worked up and all busy, busy, busy instead of just wait on the Lord, trust Him, and obey Him. Amen. So what do we find in the fire? Number one, there's a special fellowship with Him in the flame. If you'll stay with the Lord... And when the fire starts to burn, if you'll get away from the anxiety, the discouragement, and all of those negative feelings, and get in the Word and worship. If you don't know how to worship, do a study. There's different ways to worship. Not every type of worship is the same. And I'm not going to spend time on that because that's not the focus this evening. But my point being is this. I didn't hear about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fighting and screaming and trying to get and stay out of the flame. I believe they fully expected to die. But it was in the flame, it was in the fire that Nebuchadnezzar looked and said, I thought we threw three. There's four walking around. And one looks like the Son of God. Where did Nebuchadnezzar get that? I'm telling you right now, God put it in his heart for him to say that, not knowing all that that would mean for you and I or what it meant back then, but hallelujah. It's recorded in Scripture, and Jesus Christ stepped down and walked through that flame right there with those boys. Listen, you want to have fellowship? You want to feel the presence of God? It's great and wonderful and sweet sometimes in the service when the singing gets on and the instruments are playing and you hit and, the, and the words of the song hit your heart and the tears start to flow. But sometimes it's sweeter when the fire around you is burning and you're alone and you lift up your eyes and you see him. And you just talk to the Lord. And you just pour your heart out to Him. The grief, the complaint. But listen, don't let that be the focus. While you're pouring your heart out to him, you're still alive. You're still saved. He's still on the throne. There's still blessings that you have, and you need to start thanking God and looking at him and accounting the wonderful blessings and gifts that God has given to us. Hallelujah. It's in the fire that we can find fellowship. I don't know if the Hebrew lads, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got together that morning and said, Now you know the music's going to play, you know it's going to be any day now, and if it's today, we're not going to stand, and so uh, when we get thrown in the fire, we'll just wait for Christ to show up, and then we'll walk on out. <laughs> I don't think that was the conversation of the day. Three young men, I'll bet you they were scared to death. They are more afraid and more afraid of fearing God, uh, of disobeying God than they were disobeying Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah! Yes, sir. Yeah. As God's children, we need to stop fearing what the world thinks. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Every area of life. Come on. Amen, Amen. How you dress what you involve yourself in, entertainment that you enjoy, things that you do, every area of life, you name it. Is this what God wants? Is this pleasing to him? Everybody okay? Yes, sir. Yes. All right, amen. Just want to check before we go on. It's in the flame. These three Hebrew lads had to believe. Now, very quickly for them, their faith became sight. Amen. We went to the Philippines, and um, our goal was to. And I kind of shared a little bit as I've, we've gone along, and that is, we were at sixty percent support or so, and we were going to the Philippines to get Becky, uh, our daughter. Have I shared any of this? I got. I'm trying to remember in my mind. Anyway, my wife and I couldn't have kids for seven years. We prayed and asked God for children. The Lord didn't bless, and so we found out about Becky as an answer to my wife's year long prayer. By her 30th birthday, we'd either be adopting or expecting. And uh, on her birthday, I was planning a surprise party, and her sister was helping me get things set up. You know, being that good, loving, kind husband, I had the rocking chair and the shawl for the old 30-year-old wife. Amen. (laughs) 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 Trying to make everything nice and sweet. And, you know, anyway, so uh, I, I needed a little bit more time for the decorations to get finished. So I go by the post office, and I walk in. And there's a letter from a missionary friend. We'd been in her, the, his house earlier that year, Brother Rick Martin. And uh, we'd asked them about adopting. And I didn't know for a year she had been secretly praying on her own, a prayer that God would give her a child. We'd been praying as a couple. We desired that. We wanted that. So I hand her the letter from Becky Martin. She opens up. <laughs> tears are flowing. There's this little girl on the other side of the world, and uh, she's ours. Oh, wait, wait a minute, hon. We've got to pray about this. Oh, no, I've been praying. She's ours. <laughs> Hallelujah. Walked into church that weekend. A guy walks up to me and said, uh, I got a bonus at work, and the Lord laid it on my heart to give you the bonus. It was just exactly what we needed for the plane tickets. We purchased tickets, flew over, and uh, we had about a week's worth of clothes. We had left our home church, drove up to North Carolina for meetings, and we were around the, uh, the Charlotte area, Kannapolis, and we uh, ha- having the meetings going on there. And, and so we got on an airplane in Charlotte, flew to the Philippines. And got over there, and they said, who told you you could take Becky out of here? You haven't adopted her yet. Long story short, God did so many things, but it was a six-year process. It was almost four years in the Philippines, and for many of those years... We lived with the thought that at any day the DSWD could show up at our house, the Department of Social Welfare and Development, uh, the Child Protective Services, the different names in different places. And so we knew that they could show up at our house, ring the gate, and say, hey, you, that adoption is not done, and we're taking custody of her. There, we're talking, I mean, God provided the, the, the airfare, and he took care of this, and he met that need, and he was helping out with a, meeting the need of our support and all the things that were going on. And yet, day after day after day, we're praying and the, and the officials, they thought we were in cohorts, cohorts with the, the lady that had run the, the orphanage and she'd thrown an accusation against the DSWD. So there was a big political mess and, and, and charges were being uh, readied and they had shot, they had refused to renew the license on the orphanage. So that was shut down and it was just a big mess. And, and we kept praying and kept praying, and God wasn't answering the prayer, so we thought. You ever pray for something for so long, so sincere, claim so many verses, fast and pray, and still no answer? And you reach a place where, Lord, I don't know how to pray anymore about it. I have no more words to say. Every thought. Every feeling, emotion, everything tied to this. I mean, I, my, my Bible's marked up with verses claiming promises. I've searched my heart. I, I, I don't know what to do. And then you stop back and you say, boy, the fellowship I had with the Lord during those days. And I was so focused on getting the answer that I wanted that I wasn't realizing how sweet the fellowship was with the Lord during those times. Praise Praise the Lord. That's That's why Satan wants us to get so busy that we don't see. We find fellowship with him in the fire. Number two, we also find freedom of movement in the fire. (laughs) There's four Loosed and walking around. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I've worked in prison ministry for a lot of years, and, and uh, freedom's a big deal. It really is. Now, Filipino prisons are a lot different than American prisons. I walked into Bilibid Prison. That's their maximum compound, 30,000 inmates. Huge. And uh, you walk in there, and the first time I walked in, you walk up, and it's like a big fort. Uh, The Americans built it. The first five wardens were generals. It was, you know, after World War II timeframe and all that. And uh, so walk into that place, and I look up, and here's this guy walking down the, the aisle, and he's got a hammer in one hand and a saw in the other. I was like, isn't this maximum compound? You know, like maximum security, like... Oh, yes. Why does the guy have a hammer? You realize that's a weapon? Oh, yes, Pastor, they have a handicraft store. He's making things to sell. Oh, <laughs> perfect. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I looked all over the place. I mean, there's, uh, it was just crazy. But here's the thing is they had a little more freedom in that jail than they do in the American jails, but they didn't have their freedom. They were told when to go to bed at night. They were told when to get up. They were told when to go in, when to come out, when to eat, when not. Everything was commanded. They were treated like inmates. No freedom. You know, the devil loves to play tricks on our minds, and he tries to make us think that, when it feels like the walls are closing in, that everything's going wrong. When it may not be going wrong at all. Yeah. Hmm. We have to be able to believe to see. We have to be able to lift up our eyes and look beyond this present circumstance. In my, for years I've heard this story, I've always loved this story in the Bible... I've wondered for years what they were talking about in the fire. Just me, you know, my inquiring mind, amen. I just want to know. You know they're walking around. It's flames. You don't smell burnt. Now listen, you all know what burnt hair smells like? My dad was a church planner. He was starting a church in a Grange Hall one time. And uh, we would get to go in and clean all up the mess every Sunday morning that the uh, people that used the Grange Hall Saturday night had left behind. And uh, the nursery was run downstairs in the kitchen area during the winter because you had to have some heat. And so the way that we heated the kitchen was we'd start the stove. So one day, uh, I volunteered to go start the stove. You know how to do that? Yes, sir. I was about eight years old. So I went down there. Walked over to the oven, looked at everything. I've seen mom and dad do this, there's nothing to it. Turn on the oven. Oh, where's the matches? (laughs) Y'all know where this is going. I looked all around for the matches. About five, ten minutes later, I came back. Yanked that oven open. (laughs) Folks came running downstairs. (laughs) Everything was gone. And I'm sitting there like, (laughs) what just happened? (laughs) And the most God awful smell. I mean, it was just terrible. It was awful. That flesh and hair and all that. Thankfully, I didn't get hurt through it. God protects the ignorant. Amen. (laughs) Thank the Lord for it. (laughs) I don't know if they were walking around and they had to be astonished. They had to have been amazed. I mean, the thrill. Think about it. They're talking to each other, and they look. If Nebuchadnezzar recognized that's the Son of God, I think they did too. Right. Yeah. The prophecies, the symbolism, the Lamb, the promise of the Messiah to come. Look, our faith has become sight. Yeah. My goodness, What were they doing? They weren't locked up. They weren't tied up. They weren't bound. What I'm saying is this. Maybe God will send the fire in your life to free you from some things so there's more freedom of movement in your walk with Christ. Maybe you can exercise more faith. Amen. Sometimes God needs to burn away the ropes because that's the only thing that was lost for them. What ropes need to be burned away? Well, maybe your idea of financial stability. That's the old American dream, isn't it? We've got to have that million dollars lined up for when we retire. Amen. So we're chalking everything away and saving everything up where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Is everybody Okay. Preach on money. Folks start to tighten up a little bit. I just want to make, make sure you relax. Amen. <laughs> hey it's going to be okay. <laughs> you have a missions conference coming up. You're going to have a business meeting. A business meeting for the souls of men. Yep. It's time to pay the light bill. Amen. You know, we sing send the light. Is everybody okay? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> now listen, missions is all over my heart. I mean, I've been on the field, the deputation furloughs. I've seen the upside, the downside, the other sides. Hallelujah. And I love every bit of it. Amen. I don't have any problem asking my church to give money to send the gospel to the other side of the world. Hallelujah. Uh, listen. There are such things as eternal investments and sometimes we get so locked up trying to think about how we can have that, that stability and confidence and security in these things of life that we're bound by that sight and God comes along sometimes and sets us free from it. Yeah. And when, when the fire burns those ropes away, there's more freedom of movement. Our church in Ocean Springs has been amazing to me. I've seen more cars given away than any other place I have in my life. Amen? There's been three Suburbans given away at our church. (laughs) My brother Steve, he was sitting at his breakfast table having devotions one, one morning, and a family in our church knew they needed a vehicle, knew God had called them into evangelism, knew what the need was, and so they come up, and this same family's letting them live in their house. Steve did some repairs and painted it, and they were got rent free, no charge. Hey, man, living with Steve, hey, <laughs> <clears throat> be careful with that wish. <laughs> He's my baby brother, so I can say things like that. Hallelujah. So, uh, yeah, he, anyway, that's uh, I don't want to get off off track. Um, so this this family the church walks in, and they said. Uh, we brought something for you, and we knew you had a need. Boom. Here's the signed title and the keys to that Suburban sitting out there. Hallelujah. Well, God gave Steve another car, so he gave that Suburban to another family in the church. Another Suburban was given away. We had an evangelist in our church, he was going out on the road. He had an old Suburban, and it was breaking down and rusting out and had a lot of miles on it. And uh, Brother Zeb, and they had. Uh, Eight kids at the time, or seven, six—I I don't know—I lose track because they have a lot of them. Amen and Hallelujah. I'm thankful for that. And so um, they needed a vehicle, and I hadn't even said anything to the church about it. And so uh, it's family conference, and and uh, we're going to wind up things on Sunday afternoon and uh, Sunday evening. And Brother Zeb was going to preach that night. And so uh, we everything's going well. And Sunday afternoon, I'm heading to church. I get a phone call, and uh, the lady says, Pastor. I've got an uncle who is, says he's a Christian, he's a Protestant man, he's one of these guys that's so good that I fear that he's thinking his goodness will get him to heaven. She said, um, he helped start the VA, he he signed up and, in, 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 I mean, took tours of duty in World War II uh, that, that put him in action in some major battles, and he he made it through everything. Uh, just an amazing guy, Uncle Chad, I don't know if you remember him, and um I think he passed away at 102 years old. Well, anyway, he had all this money stocked away, and she said, I've never asked the guy for anything, but he's loaded. And I'm going to ask him, if you'll pray for me, I'm going to go ask him if he'll help, because I know there's a need in our church, and I want to see if he can help meet that need. Amen. So I walk up to church Sunday evening, and, and uh, Miss Sandra comes walking up to me and hands me an envelope. Mother, Lord, answer prayer, Pastor. Amen. Open it up. It's a check for $12,000. Hallelujah. They pull that out of their retirement account to give the evangelist a vehicle to run around the country in. Hmm. Hallelujah. Now listen, there's freedom of movement in the fire. We, we may look and say, oh my goodness, I should be afraid and I should be fearful. Look at the bad things going on around me. But oh, the fellowship with him. The ability to move around. Look, now I'm not so worried about what could go wrong. I mean, what could be worse than thrown in the fire? Top that one. (laughs) Amen? I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know this. God wants us to see some things, and they're usually not what we're looking at. And sometimes it's a storm that sends a wind that blows us into a safe harbor to spare us from something else. Why is it that our flesh always goes to the worst case scenario? Right. That's right. Oh, no, look what just happened. But what's God doing? Right. Yeah. What's he working on? Yeah. If you'll just believe and lift your eyes up and see him, fellowship with him, he may loose some bands and you'll find some freedom of movement that you've never experienced before in your life. Amen. I'm telling you, it is a wonderful thing to walk by faith. It's scary. Try giving away your last hundred bucks. Now, you better do it when the Lord tells you to, not because you just want to check it out on your own. (laughs) Amen? So I'm not telling you to do something foolish, but I'm saying this. That was for me. For you, it may be something totally different. But I know that God will test our faith. And we hit that test and we think it's a terrible thing. But can I tell you that God has some good servants? Amen. Amen. Dr. Garris used to preach a message about that over out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. A good servant of God, what is it? Paul said, These light afflictions worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Well, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are eternal, not the things which are temporal. When I was growing up, Dad planted churches in New York State, and he bought a house. Behind the house was a barn, and the barn became the church. Amen. It was a really long driveway. It was a really long driveway. We're in... Upstate New York, Great Lake effects snow. It was a really long driveway. And I don't know why in New York, maybe it's God's hand of judgment against the state. I don't know. But it seemed like it snowed every Saturday night. Five o'clock Sunday morning. My dad was not going to spend the money to hire a plow. That's God's money. We're going to use that for the church. He had four plows. Adam, Paul, John, and Steve. And I, we'd be out there shoveling away. It's freezing cold. It's been snowing all night. We're all worked up. And I look over there, and the neighbor, he's standing in his picture window drinking coffee, <laughs> looking at us. I don't know if it was pity or comedy that he was feeling. I don't know. But in comes this truck with a flashing yellow light on the roof and the plow drops and the thing's done and the guy's gone. And I'm like, my dad doesn't know about those. (laughs) I got to go talk to dad. I mean, certainly. (laughs) Dad, do you know there are such things as these big yellow blades on the front of trucks and the trucks have like flashing yellow lights and they come in boom, it's done? Go back and shovel the snow. (laughs) I wanted somebody to do my work for me. And God gave me a servant named Mr. Light Affliction to work for me. And our flesh says, no, that's against me. I'm God's child. I'm his cosmic pet. These terrible things shouldn't be going on in my life. Lord, don't you recognize who I am? God says, yes, animated dust ball. (laughs) Just remember that when you look in the mirror, amen? (laughs) God has a sense of of humor. I've seen it many times. (laughs) Amen. God wants to work. Can you stop and think for a moment, what could God do through Liberty Baptist Tabernacle, if this church completely surrendered to God. You say, well, preacher, we're already doing great things of printing and the sending of all these John and Romans and hallelujah for it. Well, pastor, we've already got a a great missions program and thank God for it. Is everybody 100% surrendered? What more could God do? Sometimes God puts us in the fire. It's not to hurt us. It's not to hurt us. It is not to defeat or discourage. It feels like it. When the ropes go around and the strongest men in the room are tying them and cinching them up and knotting them up, and then out of your control, they pick you up and throw you. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty helpless feeling when somebody picks you up and throws you. It's com- everything's completely out of your control. And that's where they were. And yet when they hit the floor, they bounced up with the ropes burned off and they're fellowshipping with the Son of God Amen. and moving freely. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Lord's so good to us. This is a given, but we'll also find a fortress of protection in the fire. They weren't singed. They weren't burned. We find in the fire a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Amen. Their names just kept coming up, kept repeating the names. If I know Jesus, if I know the, the character and the things that I study, the attributes of God, I can see Jesus going one by one to each one of them. It's okay. I got you. It's all right. Don't worry. It's all going to be all right. <laughs> it's, I know this is fire. Fire. What do you feel? See, you're not burning. Don't worry. It's okay. Isn't it amazing sometimes the Lord does that for us? And we're going to bed at night and you think, Lord, I don't know if anything else could possibly go wrong. Don't ask that question. <laughs> Let me just tell you from experience, I've asked it and I always get this. Laughter but sometimes in my mind, I start quoting scripture, and I realize the Lord's got every bit of this under control. That's right. I don't know if you've seen the, um, read the book or uh, seen the video "Tortured for Christ." Richard Wormbrand, he's a pastor in Romania that was uh, there when the Iron Curtain came in and communism took over. The day that they arrested Richard Wormbrand and took him in for 13 years of torture, he's riding in the car. And he asked the guards, what day is this? And they mocked him and laughed at him. And they said, you're you're insane. Don't you know where you're going and what's going to happen to you? And all you want to ask about is what day it is? And Richard Warmbrand said this. He said, I figured this was coming. So I memorized 365 verses from the Bible about fear. And one for the leap year. So that every day I could quote one verse over and over and over. The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And as the beatings were taking place, it was scripture rolling through his head, I'm telling you there's fellowship with him. There's fellowship. He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Let me close with this thought there's also a finish in glory for us. Now for the three Hebrew lads, Nebuchadnezzar said, come out. And he turned around to his country and he said, don't anybody talk bad about the Jehovah God. There is no other God that can save like that. Matter of fact, if I hear people talking bad about Jehovah God, you're dead. All of a sudden, in Babylon, Under King Nebuchadnezzar, Jehovah God was the God. Living our lives for him, believing to see and living that way, there's no telling what impact that can have on the life of others as they watch and see God work through us. There are rewards. It is going to be worth it all one day. Sometimes, you know, listen, we're all flesh. When I first started giving to missions, my wife and I hadn't ever been experienced with faith promise. My dad always did, a, 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 years ago, he did a percentage of the budget. So people gave a little bit above their tithes and offerings because they knew that some was going to missions. And so when I moved down to Mississippi, I'd never heard of faith promise. And then they said, this is a, above your tithes. And then one guy came in and preached about a double tithe. Oh, you're messing with my money now, man. Come on. Back off a little bit. <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, they started. And so we started giving to, to faith promise. And uh, I'd watch sometimes a neighbor, and he'd pull up in a new car. And I'd think, man, if I wasn't giving all that money to missions... afford a car payment. You can even save it up for a while, pay cash so I'm not in debt. Oh, the devil's sneaky. He loves to do it. But I know this, one day we're going to get to heaven and there are souls that have been won around this world because missionaries were sent and the gospel was preached. It's going to be folks that the world never knew anything about that have just said, yes, Lord, you told me to do this, I'm going to do this. One day, faith is going to become sight. I'm looking forward to that day. Part Part of the race, part of the run right now is to make sure that Satan doesn't pull my focus away. The focus is him, not this world. It's His glory, not my comfort. There are things that I think I need to worry about, and I don't. God will take care of it. What I need to do is be obedient. I need to follow Him. I need to learn how to wait. I need to learn to get perception right. See. Believe to see. What do you see? Father, thank You for who You are. Thank You, Lord, for the blessings that we have Lord, as we study scripture, as we look at the lives of Bible characters, the things that they endured and went through, Lord, we've not yet been asked in our lives to make a decision on a given day of life or death, worship a false god or don't, be obedient to Jehovah God or be obedient to the King. But, Lord, they were real, live human beings with the same flesh and blood that we have. As the New Testament says, men of like passions. And in the moment of the test, these three young men said, I must worship God and not the idol. Cast into a fire, and yet it was in that fire that their bands were loosed. They fellowshiped with the Lord. They had freedom of movement. They realized the wonderful protection. They knew that God was a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And oh, to stand there and listen as a foreign king said, Jehovah God is the God. Lord, help us. Watch over us, work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.